Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You already know that the University of Georgia is just one of the most massive college football programs the country has ever conceived. It's gigantic in its scope. And because of that, the huge number of fans, or you know, more than a million Georgia fans, uh, you know, certainly hundreds of thousands interact with the program on a regular basis. Because of that, there's also like this gigantic media sphere that kind of forms around Georgia. People who want to serve UGA fans with information about the team they love. And when you work in this industry for a living, you see that it's not all created equal, right? I mean, there are programs that you think of as pretty big that don't have nearly the the structure built around them that UGA does, both from a program standpoint and then what gets built around the program itself. Georgia's just gigantic. It is truly a macro college football program in, in so many ways. And so because of that, There is one thing around Georgia that's just very hard to do. And I joke about this during the offseason all the time because we do Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, every single day. Couldn't be daily if you didn't do it daily. We do. And so we're in like the spring and the summer, and we're spending a lot of time talking about what's about to happen. We're doing all all this kind of stuff. Um, You know, there's one thing I always kind of joke and say, that it is very hard at a place like Georgia to be an under-the-radar player where it's very hard at a place like Georgia to have an under-the-radar type topic, something that's not getting enough attention because the radar's just so big, and there's just so many people writing about Georgia, trying to talk about Georgia, trying to do whatever, that everything gets talked to death to the point that you can't hide at UGA. If you're having a great season, people are going to notice. Maybe you're not having as good a season as uh, folks wanted you to. Unfortunately, people are going to notice that there as well. Just everything is under a, it's more than a spotlight. It's a true microscope. It's, it's, it's zoomed in larger than life to notice every single detail. It's just very, very difficult for anything to be under the radar at Georgia. But here we are relatively late in the regular season and i do think pretty quietly there's a success story for uga that maybe up until now has not quite gotten as much attention as it was possibly supposed to get now let's go back to like right before the season began think about our time doing these shows take comments on video some of you tweet at me at dog nation daily or you put a comment in the comment section at dognation.com. We read those in the podcast cool down, which, by the way, is coming back next week. I know we've been a little slow getting that back going again with our brand new studio, but that is coming back next week, and I'm excited about that. The point here is this. When we've interacted with each other going back to the offseason, if I were to say to you, what's your biggest concern for UGA? I fairly commonly got the same answer on that, and most of you, when you're getting together with friends on around the pool during the summertime or the back patios or you know uh, early season tailgates whatever else most georgia fans when they had that conversation they kind of mentioned the same thing related to all of that man i'm worried about this secondary eric stokes isn't here anymore tyson campbell isn't here anymore richard account's not here anymore uh there are big names that have moved on from this program leaving georgia vulnerable there at that spot young guys having to play transfer portal being relied on all of a sudden now injuries become a part of all of this all of all, all of a sudden there's this challenge associated with georgia defending the past something you don't typically think of related to uga because georgia so consistently under kirby smart had been that kind of program but at the same time for this year you looked at the personnel there and you said how is this group going to be able to get that done 
Well, let's blink our eyes and let's fast forward now back to the present. Georgia getting ready to play Florida on Saturday, undefeated, ranked number one in the country. And if you were to make a list of all the reasons why that's true, believe it or not, the Georgia secondary, which at one point in time was thought to be the biggest weakness on this team, from a statistical standpoint, has actually turned out to be really quite strong. Let me show you this screen grab here uh, from Pro Football Focus. Now, I have no idea what this means. I, I can't tell you how these numbers are tabulated. Pro Football Focus doesn't show its work. Uh, this is relatively meaningless to me in terms of my ability to explain it, but I'm assuming that this is real. Otherwise, they wouldn't post it on Instagram. So what Pro Football Focus says is that the lowest quarterback rating allowed in the SEC, two guys, Darian Kendrick, Keely Ringo. The number for Kendrick is 27.3. That's the quarterback rating he's allowing when the ball is thrown his direction, I guess. Uh, Keely Ringo, the same thing, 37.3. Now, I'm assuming those numbers are really, really low if they're the lowest allowed in the SEC. The point is, even if the, the, the actual metric and the statistic is a beyond my ability to comprehend, the actual headline is not beyond my ability to comprehend. That Kendrick and Ringo, Georgia's two cornerbacks, guys who you had big questions about. Remember, Ringo coming over from Clemson had been somewhat exploited in the college football playoffs. Some Georgia fans were kind of wondering what you were getting in Keeley Ringo. I don't think there's any wondering about that right now. Ringo clearly, uh, I should say uh, Kendrick clearly, has been a, uh, a, a big, big presence for Georgia, so much so that you're rarely talking about him during games because teams are throwing his way so infrequently. Ringo, obviously, was a former five-star recruit, spent last year you know, pretty injured, uh, you know, not able to kind of show you what he was all about, and then starting this year inexperienced and maybe kind of got picked on a little bit in the Clemson game and had a couple of PIs go against him, but then seems to shake things off, and now he's playing at a really high level there as well. And I don't think this is getting enough attention, that Ringo and, and Kendrick, along with the rest of this defensive secondary, that they are really doing their job. And obviously the, the response to all of this is, well, B.A., you got to understand that they're playing a part of this Georgia defense right now that has a dominant front seven, that has uh, you know a guy in Jordan Davis, the B.A. you've tied to four to win the Heisman Trophy, that the defensive secondary is feasting off the chance to play with those guys. There's an old cliche in sports. They don't ask you how. They ask you how many. And right now, I'm not really so much worried about how when it comes to Georgia secondary. I'm more more concerned about how many big plays they're allowing. And frankly, they're not allowing very much. And yes, they haven't played maybe the world's greatest collection of quarterbacks. But boy, there have been some really good wide receivers that have not gotten much against this Georgia defensive group. Wandale Robinson had catches but not yards a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Traylon Burks, who I have great respect for at Arkansas, he was kind of a non-factor in a dominant Georgia win. Go back to the beginning of the season, those Clemson wide receivers, uh, you know, a good crop of guys. None of them had big plays there against Georgia, at least for the most part. You give the Georgia defensive secondary credit for all of that. Now, they're not the only ones who get credit for that. But they have been better than most folks thought they would be at the beginning of the season. In fact, earlier this week, Georgia coach Kirby Smart was asked what he has seen from that group this year thus far, for the most part, limiting those plays in the passing game. Important ahead of Florida this Saturday. This is what Kirby Smart had to say. They've done their job. They've been uh, effective at keeping our edges and in run support because a lot of people have tried to get out on the edge on us to avoid the interior run game. Um, we've given up some explosive. We've given up some 50-50 balls, but they've been the beneficiary of good rush, um, and they've made some plays when they've gotten opportunities. You know, the, those guys have made some picks. Uh, Chris, Lewis, uh, Keeley, and, and DK have all made them. And 
you, you, you punish people when they make mistakes and uh, you got to capitalize on those when they happen. Uh, we have not played our best game in the secondary. Uh, we have not played perfect and we are not where we need to be. Um, but, you know, we're a work in progress there and the, the front has helped us uh, buy some time to do the work. I agree with all of that. Still a work in progress. We'll be tested against Florida on Saturday. No one denies that. And I agree with what Smart said there at the end. These guys, the, the, uh, a portion of the success they've enjoyed this year has been because of how well this Georgia defensive front has played. And let's park right there on that for a moment. Because now that we've given the secondary credit for what it's done, let's talk about this a little bit more. And let's circle back to where things seem to always circle back here on this show, which is hashtag JD2NYC. The success of the Georgia secondary, the fact that thus far this Georgia crop of defensive backs really not giving up those big pass plays when most people thought they would, to me, that's another argument in favor of why Jordan Davis, as a representative for the entire Georgia defense, that's why Davis ought to get that Heisman consideration. In fact, he should get more than just consideration for that. And it really, to me, is a strong retort to something that Chris Doring, the SEC Network analyst, said on SEC Country Live yesterday. Now, you should understand this. I know that Doring's a gator, but I actually really like Chris a lot. I think that Chris is a great interview guest when he comes on our programs. I also think he does a great job on the SEC Network shows. He has a point of view. He argues his case. To me, he's good TV. This is what you want. A guy who truly cares about the league, who obviously follows it closely, who's giving a strong opinion from his point of view. So yesterday, I told him, I said, Chris, I've been on my soapbox. I've been arguing for Jordan Davis to win the Heisman Trophy. And Chris gave a response why he does not think that Davis is the appropriate guy in that discussion. So let me let you hear this, and then let's talk about why the stuff we just said with the Georgia secondary is actually probably the perfect response to what Doring says here. So let's hear the SEC Network analyst, and that'll roll us into our next point we want to make. I think the problem is is that you don't have anything to really quantify that. And, you know, it's easy when we're talking about quarterbacks or last year in Devontae Smith's case, the, the record number of touchdowns and receptions and yards that he put up. My biggest thing, which is a, is a, is a huge credit to the defense, is that there's so many great pieces to it. You know, I can look on the defensive line and look right next to Jordan Davis and look at Jalen Carter and the job that he's done and how – he pops when you watch the tape. I can look at N'Kobe Dean running around, rushing the passer, uh, making tackles in the run game on the edge. Like this, There's so many great parts to it that I think it unfortunately probably waters down your argument when it comes to Jordan Davis. But the point that I've been making, my guy's been Matt Corral since the preseason. Okay. I look at what he means to that team and whether you're talking about you know MVP as in most valuable player to his team or most outstanding player. Um, you can make the argument that, that Jordan Davis is along the line, same lines as Matt Corral is because I think Matt Corral's personality is something that the rest of the team has taken on. I think the way that Jordan Davis plays and his relentlessness is something that the rest of that defense has taken on. So it's, uh, it's a good discussion to have. I just don't think you have the, the numbers to quantify it quite the same way as you probably do as an offensive player. On this show, my show, I, I don't want to be the only loudmouth who ever expresses an opinion. I'm going to give you my point of view, and I'm going to, when reasonable and possible, bring on other people to share a different perspective because I want kind of – it's not that I want all sides to be heard from. I just want sometimes there to be a counterbalance to the thing that I'm saying all the time. And so I've obviously pushed hard for Jordan Davis win the Heisman Trophy. To hear someone say, well, here's the reason why he might not win, I think that's an appropriate thing to hear, both in terms of for the Georgia fans who want to stay motivated to keep this push going. I think it's important to note the hard work that still needs to be done on all of that, but also related to the – 
the the other side of the argument considering the i guess the full perspective here chris doring says no there's not enough way to quantify what jordan davis does there's not enough metrics to make the case for davis it's just easier for an offensive player we don't deny that but we would also say this that what are the statistics that tell the story of jordan davis it's not necessarily his own statistics because he's only playing a limited number of snaps for UGA at a different kind of position, the kind of position that doesn't always dominate the stat sheet. So what are the stats that tell the story of Davis? It's the entirety of the defense. That when when the Georgia secondary, the two cornerbacks, go out and allow the, I guess, the, the best quarterback rating against of anybody in the SEC, what do you attribute a good portion of that to? The fact that Jordan Davis is completely taking away the run in the middle of the field. And all of a sudden now there's a lot more thirds and long. All of a sudden now there's a lot more opportunity for cornerbacks to know that ball might be coming from to, to them. And that knowledge being power that gives them a chance to go out and make that play a, a little bit better. All of a sudden it's the entirety of the Georgia defensive statistical picture that argues uh, for Jordan Davis there. So when it comes to the ability to quantify Davis's value, it's not his stats alone. It's the entirety of the Georgia defense. And that's really the case we've been making the entire time because i'll give you one more thing that i'm not quite smart enough to understand much the same way i'm not quite smart enough to understand the pro football focus stuff you know there's the baseball thing of have you heard the baseball stat heads talk about war not you know ww2 but like war like wins above replacement the idea that there's a replacement value player and that the better you are above that determines your true value well think about the kind of the war concept in college football here the wins above replacement value above replacement who is georgia's most irreplaceable player and they're guys who are dominant who are collecting stats who are collecting highlights they're all kinds of guys and during reference that there's so many good georgia defensive players but who's the one guy you would least want to play a game without to me that's jordan davis unquestionably you saw that a year ago how much his presence was missed in a game like florida's so when you put him on the field against the Gators here this year, it does make the job of the linebackers easier. It makes the job of the other defensive linemen easier. And as we started this show by saying, it makes the job of the defensive secondary easier too. Go back and think for yourself the things that you said before the season began. Man, I'm worried about this secondary. Man, I'm worried about these cornerbacks. I'm worried about this young guy playing over here. I'm not quite so sure about this transfer. How good is he really given what happened in the college football playoff? All of a sudden, that is a concern. It's completely vanished. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. And that's partly because the defensive backs themselves have played really well. But that's also because they're playing as a part of a great defense right now, too. And the tip of the spear for that defense is Jordan Davis. He's the guy that makes it all go. And when you want to quantify his value, you look at the entirety of the Georgia defense to do so. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. 9.45 for our first and 15 at dognation.com, another Dog Nation app, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all the video platforms, podcast platform as well. We post the show at dognation.com, uh, Apple Player, Spotify, all the uh, various podcast players. By the way, for those of you that enjoy our podcast, Cool Down, I know we haven't restarted that then. Uh, again since we've been in the new studio but that's coming back next week so we'll celebrate a win against the gators with our return of our podcast cool down next week special content podcast only we will do that starting next week once again that's really fun to be able to do of course radio noon athens sports radio 960 the ref and a big thanks to our friends at merriweather and tharp making it all possible you know merriweather and tharp's your source for georgia divorce what that means is is that they have spent, I'm talking about the entirety of the team there at Merriweather and Tharp, from partners all the way down to uh, the associates, they have spent their time 
learning and obsessing over all of the intricacies of Georgia's divorce law, which means they are learning how and have learned how and now can apply their knowledge with you to help explain how the law impacts your life. Because if you're considering the divorce process, and right now for you, it may be that you're only considering it. You don't know if it's the right thing for you or not, but it's at least a conversation that you've started in your mind. And so one of the most important things to know what the next step for you is, whether divorce is that next step, is to kind of understand how you're going to be impacted by the law. I'm talking about for like some of the most important things that you have. Obviously, nothing more important than your children. And obviously, divorce is is, is, is a big conversation related to that. And Meriwether and Tharp can help explain all that to you. And finances there as well, because as you move on, you're going to be in a financially sound position to be able to do that. And once again, Meriwether and Tharp can talk to you about your specific circumstances, what the law means for you in that regard. And once again, whether divorce is the logical next step for you as you go through all of that. I love what they do because they do it with a spirit of generosity, right? They give so much for free before you even take them on as a uh, as your representative. I'm talking about blog posts, podcasts, everything else, initial consultation even as well, where they'll just kind of walk you through all of this. They'll listen to your story and they'll they'll explain things to you and make you feel more equipped with information to kind of move on with the uh, next phase of your life, which might be divorce for you. So check out my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. They're the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. They're your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online, the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. I know they'll take good care of you. All right, it's Terrence Edwards coming up here in just a little bit. We'll talk to Terrence a lot about Georgia, Florida coming up. Big game on Saturday. What does it mean for the dogs? What's expected there uh, from UGA? We'll get a lot of that with Terrence here in just a moment. Before that, though, we'll go around the dog house presented today by our friends at serve pro and i want to let you hear a little bit more from chris doring the sec network analyst from sec country live yesterday because in talking about the georgia florida game and what's going to happen for these two teams on saturday doring said something kind of in the midst of this clip that i gotta tell you as one of these georgia fans who's kind of always got the larry munson thing voice in his head or the vince dooley voice in my head i've joked about this before as a Georgia fan, state of Georgia sports fan, kind of reeling from a game two loss, the Atlanta Braves last night, where you're sometimes a little nervous about the other shoe dropping. You're sometimes a little worried about what might happen next when it comes to one of these big sporting events and you know, sporting seasons. And you're never quite so comfortable allowing yourself to feel great about uh, what's going on. There was actually a little bit of comfort that I took from something that Chris Doring, who, listen, was a you know, big time player at Florida, now a very good SEC network analyst. But in talking about the Georgia Florida game, he said something about the dogs that actually makes me feel really good going into this game. So here's his breakdown of both teams and what to expect on Saturday. See if you notice the part that I take some comfort in. This is during yesterday from SEC Country Live. I think everybody is aware of, of the fact that weird things can happen in rivalry games, weird things happen over in Jacksonville. Um, and let's not forget, Florida won the game last year, so uh, I don't think there's any reason why Georgia's feeling complacent at this time. Uh, for Florida, they've got to find a way to, to, to take advantage of this defense that doesn't really show any sort of weakness. Uh, you know, last year with the running backs getting matched up on the, on the linebackers and making plays out of the backfield, catching the football in the passing game, uh, they seem to have improved those, those deficiencies from last year. So where, where does Florida attack and who do they attack with uh, obviously a lot of question about anthony richardson and emory jones so um you know to me the only way you beat this georgia team is having explosive plays and i think anthony richardson brings that level of explosiveness you need to try to pull off an upset like this so obviously on the football part of this a lot of what doring says there's kind of well-traveled turf by now 
The presence of Richardson for Florida is a big deal on Saturday. Does Dan Mullen trust him enough to play him for the full game, the majority of the game? There's obviously a reason why, as of yet, Mullen hasn't done that. So we'll find out if something about that changes going to the Georgia game. And we know this Georgia defense, as Kirk Herbstreit told us on yesterday's show, so hard to run against right now. That's obviously the biggest factor for Florida is how do you figure out a way to move the football and how do you find a way to maybe get more explosive plays in the pass game? As we mentioned off the very top today, Georgia's not giving up very much of that right now. Can you find a way to get more than the average team has against UGA? this year that's the on-field part of all of this well-traveled turf by now but the part that Doring, who knows this game very well the part that he says as a Georgia fan which I take great comfort in is this notion of yes it's a rivalry game and strange things might happen in Jacksonville yes Georgia's the number one team in the country and riding high and little old Florida's lost three times already the potential of overlooking the Gators knowing you have more important things yet to come the rest of the season that those are potential traps for a program like Georgia but as Doring says that might have the potential of being true but Georgia lost last year and that loss stunk I mean it was just lousy and if you and me feel that way if we were in a bad mood for, I mean, how many days in a row were we in a bad mood after uh, Florida beat Georgia last year? Even if there were, you know, mitigating factors, you know, Georgia clearly had a lot of injuries. It's a pandemic year. And you, know, you had reasons you could kind of, you know, tell yourself of, well, this may not be, you know, um, you know, quite such a permanent situation. But still, it just stunk to lose to those lousy, stinking Gators last year. Well, if we all felt that way, how much did Kirby Smart feel that way? How much did these Georgia players feel that way? And if there was any temptation of looking past Florida because you're number one or falling prey to the weirdness of a rivalry game, if there was any, any potential trap in all of that, that's made way less so, as Chris Doring said, because of the lack of complacency that's likely to define Georgia, given the fact they want revenge for the game from last season. I think that's absolutely true. I think I think that Doring's right. And it's one of the reasons why I'm actually confident that Georgia gets a big win on Saturday. That's Around the Doghouse. It's uh, presented today by our friends at ServPro. And listen, one of the things that I love about ServPro is they really step up to the plate for homeowners in our audience for one of the most disappointing things you can deal with. I mean, listen, your home is more than your number one asset. It's also the kind of thing you have a deep emotional connection to. And when you look around your home and you see damage, commonly caused by fire or water intrusion, something like that, that could just be really scary. It can be concerning. And the thing that you want is to be able to blink your eyes and just sort of pretend it never happened, right? Well, at ServPro, that's what their restoration specialists can do for you. They can fix it back. They can clean it up. They can literally get your home back like it never even happened. That's what ServPro is famous for doing. They've been doing that for folks in our audience and across our state for a long time. Also, all of their franchises are independently owned and operated. What that means is, is that when you put ServPro to work for you, you're trusting a company that understands the value of locally oriented, family-style service. That's what ServPro is all about. So if you're dealing with some damage situation around your house, fire, water, something along those lines, trust ServPro for that. Find them online. It's ServPro.com. That's spelled S-E-R-V, ServPro.com. Trust them today. They're on all of that. All right, before we're done here on our program today, we will get ready to talk to you about the other big games coming up for the weekend. Obviously, 
it's more than just Georgia, Florida, and the SEC. There's a couple of other very interesting games. We'll touch on those before we're done here today. Interesting stuff around the rest of the league there, too, including some huge names, by the way, in the transfer portal. So we'll touch on all of this here before we're done. But for now, on everything on Georgia, Florida, big game on Saturday. What the dogs need to do to get the win. No better voice to talk to this about than our buddy Terrence Edwards, the former UGA wide receiver, record-setting, record-holding UGA wide receiver. Let's do that right now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Thought. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Terrence, uh, good to have you on the program. Always appreciate your insight related to everything involving uh, Georgia football. Obviously, number one team in the country trying to stay hot as they uh, move into Jacksonville on Saturday against the Gators coming off that bye week and obviously looking for uh, good stuff there. Let me begin, if you don't mind, with what I was just saying, that obviously rivalry games are weird. Strange things can happen. And, you know, Georgia's the number one team in the country. You're always kind of worried about that letdown moment when you're not quite as good as you feel like you have been. But for me, that seems less likely to happen on Saturday against Florida for the very reason I just mentioned. Georgia did did lose last year. And as Chris Doring, the SEC Network analyst, says, that probably leads to a lack of complacency for Georgia right now where they don't take anything for granted. They're feeling motivated to go out and show that last year was a fluke. And I, as a clear Georgia partisan here, I take some comfort in that. I feel like that makes uh, you probably get the best version of UGA on Saturday, kind of chomping at the bit to be back on the field after not playing last Saturday. How do you view a, a situation like that? Uh, it, it's two ways that I would view it. Uh, one way is coming off a of bye week, man. You, we had that momentum. We were playing our best football, and I think we still could continue to get better each week. But taking a, a week off can, can stop your momentum and stop the, your fire. Then on the other hand, uh, you can get a lot of key guys healthy. So I think Coach uh, Smart and, and company went into this week just keeping the game light atmosphere even though we didn't play last week but then it's florida so if those guys can't get up for florida it doesn't matter the records doesn't matter if we rank one they're not ranked and they just spanked us last year so there's a lot of motivation um right now that this team could go in and not have a letdown you know one of the things we've heard georgia players say this week i know james cook said this Kyrus jackson said some version of this is when you look at georgia quarterback that they say well they don't really pay attention to who's playing quarterback they're fine with whomever I mean, you're a guy that caught a lot of touchdown passes. You got a couple different quarterbacks that uh, you were working with during your certainly your senior season there there at Georgia. Do you believe these Georgia players? Kirby Smart said this too that it doesn't really matter between Bennett and Daniels right now. Do you believe that, or do you see clear differences between the two? Oh, I, I definitely believe it because uh, we knew uh, in that locker room that either DJ or David, who whomever was back there, we believed in both of them. So I truly believe that those guys believe in both of those quarterbacks and believe whoever is back there, get them a great opportunity to win. So I truly believe that they believe that whoever is playing quarterback uh, give them the best chance to win. So um, I was in that situation, and I believe as the leading receiver, as one of the leaders on the offense, I believe we had two quarterbacks that could get the job done. I think one of the things that surprises some Georgia fans about that is you know, coming into the season, JT Daniels would have had more accolades. He was the former five-star quarterback. He was the entrenched starter both at the end of last season and at the beginning of this season before he got injured. I mean, no one denies that Stetson Bennett's played terrific when he's been playing in place of JT Daniels. 
but it still seems like there was this feeling among certainly a large portion of the Georgia fan base, maybe no longer the majority, but a large portion of the fan base that, well, it would obviously be Daniel's job once he came back healthy. And now there's at least some hesitation to to say that. I mean, what do you attribute that change to? Is it just the fact that uh, Bennett's been playing well when Daniel's not been in there? Is it the fact that, you know, you can't really be sure un- until you see Daniel's play how healthy he really is? What do you attribute that kind of change in mood to right now? The number one reason is the way Stetson has played this season. That's that's the number one reason. Uh, if he hasn't been playing well and we've been squeaking by offensively and not been looking very well offensively throwing the football, then it would be some some uncertainty around the quarterback position. But these guys have seen what Stetson has been able to do in-game. Uh, he, he has not been the reason that we is not putting up points. He's been the reason we're putting up points. So when you have a guy that's uh, hot like Stetson, then a guy that is ultra talented like J- JT, him is very comfortable with either or. Um, I think they know if something ever happens to either one of those quarterbacks in game, that you're comfortable with the backup coming in. So I think this team is true either quarterback, and I think the accolades of JT Daines and uh, the walk-on position that that, J- that uh, Stetson had. Those guys are not even thinking about that right now. Who was the five-star? Who was the walk-on? They believe in both, and that's a good thing. I think it's really interesting. I want to ask you about the Florida quarterback situation here in a moment. Let me uh, do one more thing on Georgia before we get there. Something else we got a very interesting update from Kirby Smart on this week is the situation at wide receiver. Well, on the one hand, you know, there's still some lingering injury stuff. It seems like uh, Jermaine Burton's still a little bit banged up. Uh, Dominic Blaylock doesn't sound like he's going to play on Saturday. Obviously, George Pickens is still a ways to uh, to go on that but there's still some injuries but other guys are getting healthier i mentioned burton being banged up but it seems like he at least is going to play or at least get try to give it a go on saturday it sounds like arian smith is healthier than he's been before i take that as pretty good news marcus rosemey jack saint seems like he's getting a little healthier so maybe a situation where kind of more good news than bad on that but in particular, in the case of Arian Smith, I kind of jokingly said yesterday that my belief, it's sort of like the fans' intuition. Sometimes you sort of like, you feel like you see the future a little bit. My belief here is that, is that before the season's done, I think Smith, because of his burning speed, I just think he has a chance to be a part of one of the biggest plays in the season that's still to come for UGA just because he provides that different dimension for the Georgia offense. How good do you think it is for UGA that a guy like Smith seemingly is getting back to health here? Well, Smith brings something that, let's just be frank, he brings something that no other receiver in that room could bring, and that's just straight-line speed. Uh, I don't think anyone is even close to the type of speed that he has, and he's going to play a pivotal role, I believe, at some point. When you have a guy that that's fast, you've got to have a guy over the top, or you just got to be able to run by. So you could do a lot of different things with him in the run game. If they continue to keep a guy – uh, on top of him, that means maybe a two-high safety or a safety roll to his side. That's one less guy in the box, and that's one less guy covering the other receivers. So he's going to have to, with his speed, be a difference maker. And not just catching the football. You can just be able to run. With his speed in the sky report, it will say this guy can run. And when you have this type of speed, it's dangerous. And we've seen him been able to make big plays, and I believe just like you at some point, his speed is going to be a difference in a game for us. Um, on the Florida side at quarterback, 
there's also a choice to be made here between Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. What seems to be interesting is, I'm not even sure how much you've got a chance to see both these guys this year, but the Florida fan is convinced that uh, Richardson's the better of the two players. And frankly, I kind of thought that going back to last spring, that Richardson would eventually emerge there. And yet Dan Mullen, for whatever reason, and he has his reasons, but for whatever reason has been slow, kind of making Richardson the full-time guy, not trusting the full game, maybe the full offense to Richardson as of yeah. I mean, what do you attribute that to? And obviously, neither one of us are at Florida practice, so we can't say that for sure. But, I mean, Mullen must have his reasons for not fully trusting Richardson up until now. And maybe that changes on Saturday. Maybe he throws him out there, and he's the guy that plays every snap. And obviously, he provides a little bit of a dimension that I don't think Emory Jones can match. But there has to be a reason up until now that Mullen quite, hasn't quite done that, even though I've been fairly convinced for a while that AR-15 is probably the better of the two players. Right. We're not there. And I think, uh, you know, people getting Dan Mullis a, a lot of a lot of heat, uh, rightfully so. But he's in this position for a reason. I think he's going to put the best player out on the field. If AR-15 is the better player, I would assume he has the capability and the capacity to put him out there if he felt that he gave his Florida Gators the best chance to win. Now, I think he brings AR-15, that is, brings a different dimension. He's a big kid this year with the Arkansas quarterback. So that's yeah. not going to be anything new of being able to have a, a quarterback that's like to run as a part of the running game. Uh, Emory Jones can run, but he's just not as big as uh, AR-15. I haven't watched a lot of him. And I don't know who we would consider the better passer out the two, but AR-15 does bring a, a different dimension that I, I just say Dan Munn is going to have to try to go do something different against this defense. I got to say this before we let you go. We talked about this last week. I want to follow up on it. Uh, boy, your brother's team put on quite a show on Petrie TV last Friday. You told us that Avery Smith, that quarterback, is a good one, and he really is. The Toledo Rockets are going to get themselves a good one. River uh, Wood, very impressive uh, last week and uh, a, a tremendous win against Cambridge. And boy, Robert's doing a great job with that team. Uh, it's great to see him having so much success. I know you obviously love high school football. You're working there each and every Friday night with Pace Academy, but uh, your brother has really put together an outstanding team. And I mean, you talk about raising the fortunes of the Riverwood program. What a great job he's done there with all of that. Oh, he has. I mean, his four years there, he's he's managed to make history yeah. with Riverwood. I think he's they, they never won the region until he got there. They never hosted a playoff game until he got there. Um, he's seventy one right now, I believe, in six A, uh, ranked in the top ten, and with thirty eight players. Yeah, imagine that. If six A, he has thirty eight players, no five stars, no four stars, no transfers. He's playing and putting these young men in position to succeed. And it, like I said, the quarterback that he has uh, is very talented. He got uh, the Saskatchewan twins, yeah, a really good football players. Levi, uh, their tight end is really good, and Jaden Harris is a, a good DB athlete that's going at some offers. Uh, Timothy Dorch is another guy, number one, is a really good receiver that I've trained a little bit myself. Okay, so yeah. He got some good players up. He got some good players over there. He just don't have a lot. He got 38 and 6A and being able to do what he's doing right now. Yeah, it was really fun watching so many of those guys playing both ways last week. You mentioned Jaden Harris. He picked up another uh, big offer uh, again this week. So it's been fun to watch these guys on television. You know, they play well, and you get you see those offers pouring in in the week that comes after that. Harris, the uh, latest example of that. So that's a great thing to be able to see. Terrence, before we let you go, I mentioned the work that you're doing, and you mentioned that there as well, working with a guy like you know uh, Dorsey and some of the guys there from uh, Riverwood. 
remind us how those folks who want to catch the football better and have uh, kids who want to catch the football better, how they can get in touch with what you're doing with your wide receiver academy. Uh, if anyone's looking to get their young athlete training, you can find me on all social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, I appreciate your time on our program. Really, really good stuff. We will uh, look forward to talking to you very soon. Enjoy the game this weekend and uh, enjoy that chance to chat with you there very soon. All right, thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Oh, really good stuff with Terrence Edwards there. By the way, I should also mention that it was a fun game last week between Cambridge and Riverwood, and it's always great to see a guy like Robert Edwards, a terrific former dog, doing such great stuff there. Also, big game on Friday night. Now, listen, I know I'm a little bit of a hype man by nature, but I'm not exaggerating when I say that you can make a case that the biggest high school football game in the country is going to be on our airwaves Friday night on Peachtree TV, streaming at CBS46.com between Mill Creek and Collins Hill. That is as good as it gets. Obviously, Collins Hill riding high right now. Uh, Mill Creek, though, and you can make a case in the 7A classification of Georgia that Mill Creek is the team that has the chance to win it all that really maybe people are just talking less about. Collins Hill's gotten all the attention, obviously. Sam won a quarterback and Travis Hunter before he got hurt. Other good players in that uh, program there as well. North Cobb kind of gets a lot of the attention because you got the two UGA commits and uh, the terrific quarterback. Um, Malachi Singley, you, you've got a, you know a lot of talent there. Mill Creek probably has less star power overall. Uh, a great 2023 uh, safety in Caleb Downs. But this is a team that's absolutely capable of winning it all in 7A, and they've got big-time college prospects from kind of the younger ranks that are starting to emerge here. Uh, a lot of Georgia fans, SEC fans, certainly very interested in what Downs does in the future. So this is a huge game on Friday. Petri TV cannot wait for all of that. I'll also tell you this. The recruits are on the SEC right now, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. It's a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean ship. First of all, it's just great to have the Royal Caribbean ships back on the seas again. And if you haven't done one of these yet, it's a great time to do that. I'm talking about Perfect Day, Coco Cay. It's a private island in the Bahamas available only to those on Royal Caribbean cruises. And so many of the uh, great ship itineraries will take you to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. It's why you want to check out the Royal Caribbean vacation today and see the thrill side. Tallest water slide in North America. You've got a helium balloon that goes 450 feet in the air. Uh, you've got the largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas. You get the private cabanas on the chill side. All kinds of stuff. Perfect day, Coco Cay is just an unbelievable getaway that's exclusive to the Royal Caribbean cruise vacationer. So, a couple different ways for you to get in touch. One of the things I want you to do is trust my friends, the Cruise and Vacation Authority, to help get this booked for you. You can find them online at tcava.com. That's tcava.com. You can also give them a call at 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. It's important to have someone who knows the Royal Caribbean experience so well to help you make the best decision you can for your cruise vacation, and that's what the Cruise and Vacation Authority can do for you. So make sure you check them out there today. All right, a few SEC through stories I want to get to for you here right now. Let's start with this. Um, there is growing chatter around Dan Mullen going into the game against Georgia on Saturday. We highlighted some of that for you. Highlight, highlighted, whatever the, whatever the past tense of that word is. Uh, we did that earlier for you this week on the show. But I want to kind of give you another example of kind of what's been said over the course of the last couple of weeks after the lost LSU, the high-profile decommitments, the way that Mullen was pressed during his press conference this week. Let's go back and read Tom Fornelli from CBS Sports here for a moment, going back and looking at Mullen being on the – let, let, let me just let, let, let Fornelli's words stand on their own. Do we have the Fornelli quote we can show you here uh, talking about uh, Dan Mullen being on the uh, hot seat? So, okay, we 
don't have that. Um, so what Fornelli basically jokingly said at CBSSports.com a couple of weeks ago was, is that in, in the SEC, there always has to be at least one coach in the hot seat. And at one point in time, that was Ed Orgeron. And well, now Ed Orgeron's essentially a lame duck. He's going to be replaced at LSU. And now, now, so the quote here is this. I'm not saying I think Mullen should be fired, Fornelli says. In fact, it would be foolish of Florida to do so right now. And he deserves at least one more season before it's seriously considered. But Tom Fornelli says, this is the SEC. You don't need to ask Orgeron twice what that means. And now Mullen is next in line for the meat grinder. Once again, that's Tom Fornelli, CBS Sports. So the point I was making is, is that Fornelli kind of said in that piece that always going to be somebody on the hot seat. It used to be Orgeron. Now Orgeron's going to be replaced. And so the guy that kind of occupies that mantle now is Dan Mullen. Now, we asked Chris Doring this yesterday in SEC Country Live. He said, all oh, this is way too fast. But it's interesting, even when acknowledging on the part of Fornelli that, yeah, it may be happening a little bit fast, but the only thing as a concession that Fornelli's willing to offer here is maybe one more year. And I do, and, and, and as fast as all this seems to be occurring, I do think that's potentially kind of true. That I don't think there's anything that Mullen could do to lose his job here in 2021. But boy, you better be careful. You get beat by Georgia badly on Saturday, which I believe is going to happen. That's four losses, and we're not even in November yet. Who knows what's to come the rest of the season there for uh, for Florida there at that point in time. That you do kind of run into a situation where your fans have just soured on you so much. Because that's ultimately the issue here. It's not what Gator hater Georgia host like me says. Or it's not what you know other Georgia fans say. We can't mock Dan Mullen onto the unemployment line. We can't do that. But you better believe when the Florida fans turn on Mullen finally and fully, you better believe that changes everything. And we've been saying this now for a couple of years, that Mullen's never been as popular with his own fans as some people kind of assume he is. He's always been more popular with the media than he has been with the rank and file Florida fan. And you're seeing a lot of that kind of bubble to the surface now, even, you know, folks like CBS sports writers starting to notice a little bit of that. Let me give you a couple of other things here uh, really quickly. So Nick Saban turned 70 on Sunday. He turned 70 on Halloween. You can insert your own joke on that. But in light of that, you know, kind of uh, retirement, in light of that coming up, I should say in light of that milestone birthday, being 70 years old, the subject of retirement has kind of come up with Saban. And he was asked about this on the SEC uh, teleconference on Wednesday. And AL.com quoted Saban on that. I want to share this with you about what Saban thinks his future at Alabama might be. He says, right now, I just kind of keep on keeping on. He says, I don't have a timetable for anything. The only thing that I've ever said is that if I felt like I was riding the program down or I wasn't able to make a positive contribution to the program, then that would probably be time to let somebody else carry the torch. That's Nick Saban, AL.com, quotes him as saying that. And so here's the one thing you have to say about Saban, that for someone who is about to turn 70, he certainly shows no signs of slowing down. He's the reigning national champion. And in 2021, probably the best evidence for the spry you know, nature of Saban is the fact that he put together arguably in 2021, the greatest recruiting class of all time. This is a guy who's still doing it at as high a level as it has ever been done, both in recruiting and on the field. But let me give you one thing to consider. There's only been one instance so far in the college football playoff era where Alabama has missed the playoff. Alabama missed the playoff in 2019. As it stands right now, we don't quite yet know is Alabama in or not. It's only not obvious they will be in. Uh, that'd still be probably a neutral field favorite against Georgia, despite the fact that Georgia's undefeated. Bama probably gets gets a slight point spread nod if these two teams meet in December, believe it or not. I believe that's probably still the case. 
Uh, the point here is, though, it's not an obvious given, though, that Alabama will make the college football playoff this year. Let's say for the sake of conversation, the Crimson Tide doesn't do that. Let's say they missed the college football playoff. At that point in time, that'd be twice in the last three years that Alabama's missed the playoff. And the one instance where that wasn't true was kind of the pandemic year where it was sort of weird and stadiums weren't full and everything was just a little bit different all the way around. I wonder what Saban's tolerance for Alabama fans is going to be when he no longer has a playoff appearance to give them every single year. When there becomes a span of time where he's actually missed the playoff more than he's made it, which is what would be true if he misses the playoff this year. Because here's the thing about SEC fans, much the same way Tom Fornelli a moment ago said, there's always going to be an SEC coach in the hot seat. The reason why that's true is because SEC fans expect their team to be in the playoff. And Alabama may have the greatest track record on that, but everybody kind of has those Alabama-like expectations. And the track record of winning in Alabama doesn't buy you a lot of security with your own fans if things aren't quite that same way. The idea of what have you done for me lately? Nick Saban's not immune to that conversation, uh, despite the fact that he's won more than anybody else has. And so you almost wonder if he were to miss the playoff this year, if Alabama fans themselves don't push him a little bit more towards considering what does Miss Terry have planned for me once I retire? Retirement doesn't seem very attractive to Nick right now because all he's doing is winning. But once that becomes not true anymore, you kind of wonder if all of a sudden the idea of retiring starts to seem a little bit more attractive. One more story to get to here as recruits are in the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean here today. There is a lot of chatter related to the transfer portal right now. Now, I have to be very uh, candid about one thing. A lot of you sent this to me. So, Zach Evans, who is one of probably the five most discussed players in the history of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, there was some talk yesterday that Evans had taken all of his uh, TCU stuff off of his Instagram, that he had kind of scrubbed his Instagram feed. And then there was some talk, well, maybe he's coming back to practice at Fort Worth with the, with the Horned Frogs. Maybe that's going on. I got a complete ignorance here. I have no idea what's going on with Zach Evans, if he's in the transfer portal or not. I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that. There was some thought yesterday that he definitely was, and now I've sort of heard some backtracking on that a little bit. Maybe some of y'all know there's new reporting latest on this. I just know there's been some chatter that things aren't great with Evans and Fort Worth. And I'm, at this point in time, I'm not sure that means anything for Georgia one way or another. Georgia's pretty deep at the running back spot right now, even with guys like you know, uh, uh, Zamir and, and James Cook leaving the program. You got the Branson Robinsons, the world guys like that coming into the program. Georgia doesn't necessarily have a help wanted sign up when it comes to to uh, to, to the running back spot right now. But obviously, Evans is a name we've talked about a bunch, and so his unhappiness in Fort Worth, if it's even a thing, would get your attention a little bit. But at this point, I'm honestly not quite so sure if he's leaving TCU or not. There was some thought that he was, maybe some thought that he's not, which is fairly consistent with the rest of the Zach Evans story has played out the one guy we do know that is transferring is Harrison Bailey Bailey is now leaving Tennessee and here's the honest truth I would have told you before the season began that Bailey should have gotten the starting quarterback not for Tennessee and I was making the comparison between he and Joe Milton Milton who came over from Michigan Michigan actually uh Milton actually got the nod to be Tennessee starting quarterback at the beginning of the season but to Come to find out, maybe folks in Knoxville kind of always knew this is true, although it doesn't seem like that was the case. Uh, come to find out, the best quarterback of the bunch is actually Hendon Hooker. That when Hooker's been healthy and playing, the Tennessee offense is hummed pretty good. So I, I think that Bailey's a big prospect. I don't think he's going to have to wait very long to find a new place to go. I'm sure he'll be a very attractive option for a lot of teams in the transfer portal. But as it stands right now, he's just probably not better than Hendon Hooker. Hooker's the Virginia Tech transfer there at Tennessee. 
has actually played pretty well. So you have to kind of admit that and we'll make that cruise around the SEC courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Let's also do this. Let's slide into our picks for the weekend here with our BetUS best bets. And of course, BetUS, America's most beloved sports book. They've been taking care of players more than 25 years. They got a big, big opportunity for all of you there as well. And we'll tell you about that right now. When you use the promo code DN125 uh, at BetUS.com, you're going to 125% initial sign-up bonus. That means you put in $100, they're going to put in $125 of their own money into your account. They are literally putting more money in your account than you are when you first get signed up. That's how they've lasted for 25 years. They take good care of their players. BetUS.com for a lot more on that, but you've got to use the promo code DN125. The DN stands for Dog Nation. The 125 stands for the 125% bonus you're going to get when you get signed up there. So check out BetUS.com for more on that today. All right, let's roll through the picks here for a moment. I'll give you the spreads. As found at BetUS.com, Georgia's been a 14-point favorite against Florida uh, here this week. The uh, the line there says minus 14 on the Florida side. Obviously, that's plus 14 there on the Florida side there on that. Uh, let's see if we can go back and see those there uh, again. Um, we'll get those back up here in just a moment. So, yeah, Florida's been a 14-point uh, underdog there against Florida this uh, against Georgia this week. Here's the thing you got to know. Against the spread, against Dan Mullen, Kirby Smart's done very well. As a head coach, he's 3-1 and f- one all-time uh, against the spread against Dan Mullen. Now, last year's the one outlier. Uh, Mullen got the win and the cover. But prior to that, and here's what people forget, that a lot of the big wins that Smart has gotten against Mullen have come in kind of narrow point spread situations. The 2019 game was a win and a cover. The 2018 game, Georgia won by 19 points. Once again, that was a fairly narrow point spread that day that Georgia earned that cover and the big, easy win against Florida in 2018. Go back to 2017, Mullen's last year at Mississippi State. In Athens, in the SEC opener for Georgia that year, Georgia won 37-3. A lot of folks say, well, it's just Mississippi State. Of course you're supposed to do that. Once again, Georgia was a narrow favorite that day against Mississippi State, and the Bulldogs, the Maroon Bulldogs, were a very popular, trendy upset pick there that day. That, a lot of folks thought Dan Mullen was going to outcoach Kirby Smart. The theme here is there always seems to be a lot of folks predicting Dan Mullen to outcoach Kirby Smart. and almost never happens. Uh, Kirby Smart almost always gets the easy win, the, the spread cover and the win. Last year's game notwithstanding. Uh, that seems to be the trend here. Three and one against the spread for Smart against Mullen. Enough for me to think it'll be the easy win for him on Saturday there as well. Let's quickly bounce through the rest of these here for a moment. Missouri's at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's terrible at home. They are getting 16. That's not enough. Missouri hasn't covered all year, but I'll take the Tigers there minus the 16 on the road. Mississippi State just went into Nashville and dominated. I think Missouri can do the same thing, despite the fact they haven't done that to anybody all year long. Fascinating game at Jordan-Hare Stadium on the Plains. Ole Miss is riding high. They've won 10 of their last 12 straight up, but Auburn's in a spot at home where they just typically play well. And believe it or not, Auburn is the favored side here by a field goal uh, against Ole Miss, despite the fact that Ole Miss has got Matt Corral and the Heisman attention for him, and the Rebels are kind of a, a hot team right now. But the thing to know, Auburn has covered 11 of the last 13 times in its own stadium when favored. This is a very, very tough team at Jordan-Hare Stadium, especially when uh, you expect them to to stand up at home. They typically have and so I actually, believe it or not, like Auburn minus the three here, uh, despite the fact that Ole Miss is getting a lot of the uh, attention. Kentucky-Mississippi State, this is a scary line for me because I think Kentucky ought to be favored by more than a point and a half. Makes me afraid that BetUS knows something that we don't. 
But nonetheless, against my better judgment, I'm going to still take Kentucky. I think the Wildcats have something to play for. I think 11-1 is a realistic possibility. If you're 11-1, your only loss is relatively close, at least by a final margin to Georgia. I think that puts Kentucky in a pretty interesting conversation at the end of the season. I think they're playing for that right now. Outside the SEC, you've got two teams in Big Ten country, top 25 matchups. Michigan's against Michigan State. Michigan State's at home, and they're also the underdog, getting four and a half points. A lot of folks are very aware of the fact that Michigan State's actually had the better of this rivalry, despite the fact that they're kind of known as the little brother here. Uh, They've covered seven of the last nine in this series. However, Harbaugh's actually done a little bit better than that. I think he's two and three in his five previous matchups against Michigan State. I think Michigan's also the better team. Eventually, they're probably exposed, but Michigan State, their luck runs out first here on the road, minus a decently sizable number i'll actually take michigan here in this spot what i probably think is also a fairly low scoring game and then penn state's and ohio state obviously penn state is reeling from the ugly overtime nine overtime lost illinois last week ohio state's one of the hottest teams in the country right now uh blowing out indiana on the road last week they're also an 18 and a half point favorite don't rubber stamp the buckeyes here in this spot though penn state's trend that matters they've covered four of their last five against ohio state go back and look at the last you know three four years of action here ohio state's blowing out almost everyone in big 10 play but the games against uh penn state for the most part have been closer than the experts have thought the only cover for ohio state in the last five years against penn state was last year in a game in which ohio state was favored by 10 won by 13 so in terms of the easy dominant blowout wins we see against we see ohio state getting against almost everybody in the uh, Big Ten, for the most part, not getting those against Penn State. I'd like the chance to be contrarian when I have an opportunity to, and this to me feels like a moment where contrarian probably makes some sense. Big number, 18 and a half. I'd like to take Penn State there on that side. Those are our bet U.S. best bets. Now, one more final thing to tell you about here before we get ready to wrap things up. So obviously, it's a great weekend of sports. You had the baseball the last couple of nights. It's football tonight with the pros. You roll into us on high school football action on Friday. Obviously, uh, the baseball back in Atlanta again after that. And of course, all kinds of football all throughout the weekend. And no better pairing to go with the sports than you're watching than Marco's Pizza. Settle in. Enjoy yourself some Marco's. Crispy golden crust baked perfectly brown every single time. A golden brown. Uh, those classic, authentic, old-world toppings on top of three melted cheeses that all just sort of blends together into a perfect flavor. And also, there's nothing more perfect than the great savings you get from Marco's Pizza there as well, including right now uh, the chance to enjoy a bundle of a large one-topping pizza, a pizza bowl, which is like the pizza flavor without the crust, and cheesy bread, all for just $21.99. That's great savings. Marco's.com for more on that or the Marco's app. Make sure you try all of that today. All right, so we have a very good, funny golden shoe to give to you here today as we uh, wrap up, and we'll show folks the gator hair paraphernalia as we get ready to do that. So our buddy Bryce Dixon sent this to me, and for some reason the SEC Network shared this. I'll show you the video here. I actually don't even know what the genesis of all this is, uh, but Bryce Dixon shared this in the SEC Network. It's the 2007 Georgia-Florida game. You see the celebration ongoing, and then watch what happens. Here comes what I guess is Eddie, the uh, the a version of Eddie or, or something along those lines, the dancing squirrel there, obviously reminiscing back to the 2007 game, but also the really funny stuff of what is at least a fairly reasonable facsimile of uh, Eddie shared by the SEC network. And I'm glad that Bryce Dixon shared that with me. Uh, folks think they hadn't got enough Eddie on the show as of late. Can't be Eddie because he's not blind. Uh, I guess that can't be that. But nonetheless, uh, good stuff there from uh, Bryce Dixon. will make you the golden shooter winner today. By the way, Gatorator countdown just two days from now. 
Dogs beat those lousy, stinking gators. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp.